This is the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, September 16th. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and our social channels, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com at the podcast link on the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you download your pods. And of course, we love that feedback, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin with a reaction to the week one game on Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday. Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli, and I discussed the social media reaction to the play of quarterback Trevor Lawrence. But I want to say this, though, because I saw it on Twitter today. You Jaguar fans are out of your mind when you say he's a bust already. Are you that stupid? Come on, guys. You're better than that. I agree with you, Pete. I said the same. I mean, the fans are... You guys are better fans. You're smarter fans than that. You don't don't lower yourself to that that standard. You're better than that. A bust? Give me a break. That's absurd. I had the same conversation this morning on the radio, and because that was on Twitter, and people, I'm like, "Come on, take a deep breath." Like, I who think- on the show this morning was saying it? One of those guys? Well, they were talking because they were responding oh, to Twitter oh, and I stuff see. like that. I was going to say, yeah, no, no, they weren't. No, no Jeff know, or Dan did they not know better than no, that. No, they didn't say that. And they, I want to make sure I don't misrepresent them, but just like kind of the noise on Twitter and the frustration from the fans. And my point was this: like I don't think Trevor played well. I think, and he's got to play a lot better. I think he's been inconsistent. He was inconsistent the preseason. We talked about it. He had slow starts. It was one of my. It was the key. It was the key of the game for me of a fast start and him being consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, like, like he'll. Like, I still have confidence that he's going to be the guy. Still have confidence that he's going to get better. I mean, this is the first year. Let's be clear. First year. He's with a real, like, in a real system with stability at the head coach. Like, give him some time. Like, and I know everyone's like, well, look at Herbert, what he did, and look at Joe Burrow. They're great players. Maybe he's not going to be as good as Herbert. I don't know. Maybe he'll be better. I'll go, to, I'll go to a guy up in Buffalo who's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, a guy named Josh Allen, who could not hit the broadside of a barn. The first two years of his of his pro career, and by the way, was the game plan for him was just play man, no or zone one of the two. I think it was play man or zone. I can't remember which one because he can't execute. He can't find guys, and that and Belichick would was killing him. Well, look at the guy now, Josh Allen, maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. And so, like to make a judgment after eighteen games is ridiculous. He is talented, he's athletic, he cares, he's smart, he's tough. I mean, Pete, you and I talked about Josh Allen. Remember, he couldn't see he yeah. couldn't see anything the first couple yep. of years. Yep, and and I always sat there, and I was one of the few guys that said he's going to be really, really good. You're wrong. Just be patient. And I think it's the same way with Trevor Lawrence. You got to admit, though, first throw of the game, he throws that rifle shot into the middle field. You go, oh, God, here he goes. This is the This is the moment. And then it kind of leveled off after that. But remember the shot in the middle of the field? What was yeah. it? Twenty Kirk, I think, uh, yeah. twenty yards, or whatever. That was a rifle. That's what you want to see. That's him. And I just think he got a his, his mechanics got a little off. His feet weren't set. And I just don't. The one the ETN in the end. I just can't see why he missed that. There's no re. He had nobody near him. Right. Nobody. So my question moving forward now: How do you improve that red zone touch? You if just you're the play, quarterback. Listen, you keep playing. You keep getting right. reps. You keep practicing. You keep listening to your co- coaching. I'm. I, I actually think 
And I'm not just like, listen, I, I, and I know fans are like, oh, we're tired of this and you're Mr. Sunshine Pumper or whatever. I believe in Trevor Lawrence. I believe he's going to be the guy. All I know is this same conversation after not just year one, after year two was being said about jo- uh, Josh Allen. It was not until year three where people were like, uh-oh, and really year four where he took off and was like the guy. And now what is this, year five, Pete? Yeah, what? he's he's and he's and you're right. He's in the conversation to be best quarterback in the league. I got, I, you, like if you said you had one pick right now, and to, who would you pick? Josh Allen's in the conversation. Absolutely. And you know what? Absolutely. Two years ago? It's between, it would be between Allen, for, just for longevity reasons, Allen, Mahomes, and uh, Herbert. That's who your picks would be. Or Burrow, one of those four. Yeah. Hey, by the way, um, you know me. I'll bury a bad quarterback in an instant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's no way, no way anybody should be even close to thinking Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be a good quarterback. He's got some issues. There are things that need to be worked out. But like Tony said, he worked with a clown as his coach last year. Okay, it was a it was a clown show all the way around. Give him give him at least another five games. Okay, if it's five games from now, if he's making the same mistakes, then we'll start having the conversation. I actually not disagree. I disagree with you, Pete. Like for me, I'm waiting for this entire year. No, I I think he is that talented. I think he cares that much. I think he's that competitive. And I just think he's going to be well-coached. And I, I know he's being well-coached right now. And so, for me, it's painful. Sunday was painful. And there's a lot of areas that need to get cleaned up. And we can talk about the offensive line. They need to be better. And there's a lot. The defense needs to be better. But here's the deal. If you think for a second, if you're out there listening to us right now, or you wrote on Twitter that, that Trevor Lawrence is even, you even use the B of a bust. Like even started, like even if it started to come out of your mouth, you are dead wrong. And you have to let this year play out and see, and let's make an evaluation at the end of the year. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday airs 4 to 6 p.m. on 1010XL AM and the Jags social media channels. We continue with the best sound from press conferences and interviews this week, starting with Trevor Lawrence on Wednesday. He knows they need a winning result. You know, it's frustrating. I don't think it's good to compound all those from the past, but also it is important to win, obviously. That's why we're all here. Um, There's a lot of excitement in the city and on this team in the locker room and it comes to a point where, yeah, we do. We obviously need to get a win, and this is a great place to start with a divisional game. Obviously, like the pass in the past last week, had a chance to win that, and that's frustrating. But you got to move on, take the positives, learn from the negatives. Um, and we got a great opportunity this week. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we need a win, uh, not because of the losses we've had in the past, but just because you know we we started 0-1 last week, and then we got another opportunity this week in the division to to get a game especially those two teams, they tied last week. So this would be huge for us. Head coach Doug Peterson Wednesday explaining how the quarterback continues to learn. We've talked about this before. Everything's semi-new, and and he's still learning. And this is the first time in a while that, you know, and, and each week kind of becomes a new week in the sense of he's working with these guys day in and day out, right? Now we're down to the 53, we're down to the 48, down to the 11 on offense or so, and or 21, 22 on offense, and these are now the guys that we're working with, right? So 
we just got to make sure that we're all on the same page, keep working with uh, you know, the skill guys, the backs, tight ends, and continue to push through. But, you know, he, he, he trusts us as coaches that we're going to put him in, in great positions. And then he ultimately, you know, bottom line, has to go perform. Center Luke Fortner made his NFL debut last week, and he told me in the locker room about the difference in speed. A whole different level of play, even from preseason, and, you know, obviously especially from college. And uh, I felt like the coaches and, and the fellow veterans, you know, they made sure I was prepared and had me in the right headspace going out there, but obviously a step up. I think it's the mental and, and just combining the mental and physical and uh, trying to get them in sync. I think individually I'm, I'm okay on both parts, but kind of meshing the two and, and matching up the physicality with the mental portion of it is, is where I'm working on the best right now. Moving along now to wide receiver Christian Kirk. He had the third best yardage day of his career in his Jaguars debut, but he knows the team can learn how to finish. It doesn't happen overnight for sure. Um, you know, I know there's been plenty of teams that, you know, people have seen that, you know, came from an organization that, you know, went through the same type of development as well. So this stuff's going to take time. But like I said, uh, good teams finish. And, uh, you know, we definitely have some work to do to be a good team. And we got to learn how to finish football games because, uh, you know, that's how, you know, you, you make a living in this league and, you know, you become one of the better teams as, you, you know, you finish games in tight situations like that. Locker room interviews and press conferences available on Jaguars.com. This Sunday's Colts-Jaguars game is presented by TIAA Bank. Turn potential into progress. In a moment, we'll look ahead to that Colts-Jaguars matchup with the best from our shows this week and podcasts ahead. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSP, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Now to the best from our shows this week on Jaguars.com and Jags Radio, looking ahead to the Colts-Jaguars matchup. On Jags Drive Time Wednesday, it was ESPN NFL reporter Stephen Holder joining Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton to talk through this Indianapolis Colts team. Take us through what happened week one, the Colts tie against the Houston Texans. I want to know what the biggest surprise maybe was in that game. Well, it was surprising apparently to players uh, some of whom did not realize that you could tie in the NFL. So that was interesting uh, in the locker room, actually explaining the overtime process to some of them. <laughs> so anyway, that was an interesting diversion. But I, I think really there wasn't a ton of surprise for me, except I thought in many ways the Colts outplayed the Texans. They just they didn't do the things that it takes to actually put the finishing touches on a win. They moved the ball up and down the field well over 500 yards of offense, but if you don't stick it in the end zone at the end of those drives, it doesn't quite matter how many yards you get. So I think in many ways we saw what we expected from the Colts. Strong running game, Jonathan Taylor over 160 yards. Matt Ryan, I thought really efficient in, in many ways, except with some key mistakes, but overall a, definitely an upgrade at quarterback, but they just didn't get the job done in very – uh, critical moments. Stephen, um, I'm curious, uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, 
There were stories last week about, uh, and I know you guys have talked to Frank Reich about managing carries, and yet it's going to be hard to manage carries with this guy because he's so good. Uh, how do the Colts balance that when they're really at their best when he's running the football? Well, you saw a great example of, of the difficulty of that on Sunday because <laughs> there were some instances in the first half of that game where Jonathan Taylor was one step away from going to the house like multiple times and you could see it and, and you just kind of had this feeling like, all right, the next one might be the one. <laughs> and I can imagine that's very, very tempting. I don't think they set out to have him run the ball, I believe, 31 times. I don't think that was their game plan necessarily. But, you know, the game goes the way the game goes. And, well, a couple of things happened. I mean, there were some instances where uh, they were were having some, some difficulties moving the ball through the air. And they were having some efficiency on the ground, so they did that, and and they just went with the hot hand. And I think when a game is tight and close like that, you kind of have to throw your plans out the window. So if the goal was to preserve him going into the game, then once they got into the game and and they saw that that was their their best way of moving the football, then you have to just basically throw out the plans. I think that's what they did, and they said that they would do that uh, when when called upon, and and I think that was an instance where it was. Uh, that's what it was going to take. But yes, over the course of the season, they do want to watch his touches. You don't want your, your running back well over 300 touches or excuse me, 300 carries per season. And he exceeded that last year. And Stephen, as we get ready for this game Sunday in Jacksonville, we have to talk about this streak now that is many years running of the Jaguars beating the Colts in Jacksonville, forcing them out of the playoffs last season in the last regular season game. We all say on both sides, okay, it's a new team. They don't think about that. But how much is that on the Colts' mind this week? Well, it's probably on their minds because they're going to hear about it. <laughs> okay, there is no doubt about it. They are going to be inundated with questions about it, with uh, stories with talk on the radio. I mean, look, they they can't escape it. They know what happened, and the, there's that was a very seismic, I think, shift in this organization. You know what happened in Jacksonville in January, and there's no way there's no other way to look at it. I, I think a lot of it prompted certainly some changes, and it prompted more than changes. It prompted, I think, uh, an an attitude and a focus on this team that. They have to take a step, and that that's not the kind of game that a, a serious football team, that one that is that is serious about about doing something in the postseason, that's not a game you can lose uh, to the team with at the time the worst record in the NFL, uh, with everything on the line, and you certainly on paper have uh, have a considerable amount of talent more than the other team. There's no excuse. And you just can't come back from that by just saying it's just another game. That's just not going to be acceptable. And so no one from the owner on down has tried to spin it as just another game because it wasn't. And and I think the, the Colts understand that. And I, I really think that adds a layer of pressure for this game on Sunday. I, I don't know how they'll respond to that, but no one can tell me and have me believe that there's not a considerable amount of pressure on 
on the Colts on Sunday. Jags Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Jaguars.com and the Jags social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Also this week on Jaguars.com, huddle up with Bucky Brooks on Wednesday. Bucky, Osher, and I talked through how Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson sets the tone of no panic for the Jags after one week. Just coming out of the locker room, John, you were in there with me and just talking to some of the guys today. There, there have been instances in this place in the last decade where you go in the Wednesday after a week one or early season loss you shouldn't have lost, and there's a little panic that sets in. There's yeah. a little bit of that. Uh, I didn't sense much of that, if any of that, today from this team. Yeah, I thought, you know, and again, we've all lingered a little longer on that first loss than usual, and I was, I was sort of trying to figure out why. And I think a big reason is it feels different because they feel like they let one get away. Uh, you know, in the past there was an undercurrent when you talk to the players and you know, of if they got close in a game, they got close and they, and they maybe missed their one chance to win that month. I mean, they, and they never said it, but that's how it felt. This doesn't feel that way. This feels like a, a, a decent team that let one get away. And they know in the NFL you can't do that. It, it, I keep going back. It felt more normal. And I know, Bucky, it's Wednesday. It's look-ahead Wednesday. Time to move on. But I think maybe that's why the sting of that one has sort of lingered a little bit, Bucky. Yeah, no, I, th- I think they, they knew to let one get away. Um, I, I felt like they were in control of the game in the fourth quarter. They let the ball fly over the head, uh, gave us some plays. And I think it's, it's one of those things where the team has to kind of learn how to win and how to finish these games off. I think the great thing about Doug and his personality is he's just so even keeled and cool about it all. And I think he understands that this is a process that you have to kind of go through some of these tough losses to eventually get to the other side. And at some point, this team is going to turn the corner. The team is too talented. The team is too well connected for it not to happen. It's just a matter of when does it all come together. And so they're close and we'll just kind of see if they can start putting it together this week. Trevor Lawrence and the offense had some early red zone opportunities last week. They let a lot of those slip away. They came away with only a field goal in the first half and three red zone possessions and struggled to find those points. They got them back later in the game and, of course, rallied to to have the lead. And, Bucky, I think we were talking about it in the postgame radio on Sunday night. You know, there were guys open. I mean, obviously, Travis Etienne is in the end zone open in one of those situations, but throughout the game. That was a good sign for this offense that you had wide receivers that were open in this offense. Yeah, no, I think that was big. I think it was big that uh, you had plenty of playmakers touch the ball. You had Christian Kirk have over 100 yards. Uh, you saw Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, all those guys have opportunities to make plays, and they made them. The big thing is understanding how things change down in the red zone. I think really it's for Trevor more than anybody else. In the red zone, a tighter space so things happen quicker. So you have to be a little more precise. Your anticipation has to be on point because the windows are just so tight. And so as he continues to see it, as he continues to have more of those opportunities in the red zone, you just kind of hope that it comes together because this offense has a lot of potential. Uh, I think we got a chance to see that. I guess what I think was a pretty solid defensive team. Uh, it's just a matter about taking care of the little things and cleaning up those details. They do that, you'll see this team score a ton of points. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm unconcerned about the red zone stuff, JP, but I'm getting questions this week, and I get it's the NFL, so you react to one thing, and and it's. But I'm getting questions like, um, 
Trevor Lawrence has major issues in the red zone. And it it makes it sound like it's been going on since, like, the 60s. You know, <laughs> and and it, it's one game. He can't miss the throw to ETN. I get that. But he's not the first quarterback ever to miss that throw, even an easy one. Uh, I guess I've been doing this long enough. Let's at least see it twice before we call it a, a, a career-defining trend. Uh, but <laughs> I think that's where we are with it. I think we're way over the top in terms of, well, he's not good in the red zone. Well, nobody in this team was any good at anything last year, yeah, so let's true. not really say now, that this is a trend. Well, statistically, he wasn't, but you're right. right. Everything else was so askew, yeah. you, could, you can't really compare. So, you know, I'm not saying it's some, it's something to watch and it's something to improve. I don't think we know yet that he's just not good in that situation. I, I, I just think you need to let it play out for at least a week, at least two weeks. A couple weeks. So, yeah. I, you know, maybe that's just me. I'm such a wide-eyed optimist, Bucky, that you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, maybe I just think it's going to get better. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks runs Wednesdays at 4 o'clock on the Jags social media channels and jaguars.com. And finally this week, a preview of an interview that will run in full on the official Jaguars Podcast Network Saturday with a portion Sunday on Countdown to Kickoff on the Jaguars Radio Network. It's CBS Sports play-by-play announcer Tom McCarthy on what Peterson brings to the organization and much more. We were in Houston last week for the Colts and the Texans, and we were talking about Lovey Smith taking over for the for the Texans. And, and I, I don't know if this is the right term that I, I should use, but I've used it before with baseball. There's an adult kind of in the room now. And the stability that that brings, just the ease that that brings is so important. And I think you're probably seeing a little of that right now. I know it was disappointing not getting the first weekend win, but I think that the results will follow the foundation that he's building. And I know Jacksonville fans have heard that before. Um, they heard it so long with Gus Bradley and it was almost there. Like it was almost there. And um, I just think that you're going to find a little bit more of a smooth function with Doug. And I think, like you said, the relationship part of this is really important in, in sports. And I think he's got that down. Tom, the, the offensive side of things, he's the play caller, obviously on the sideline, press Taylor's up in the booth, but the way they attack the game, think about it statistically in some instances, it's a gut decision for Doug, but he'll go for it a lot. And he said earlier this week, you know, his his philosophy mainly is throw to score and run to win. And, you know, there were some questions around in the 20-yard line at the, at the red zone. They, they got away from the run a little bit last week, but there were some plays open. It might feel a little different offensively around here, just the way they approach the game. Yeah, and I think that the pass that, that, that Trevor missed with Etienne, I mean, I think think that's an indication of what's there if you pass and you know he Trevor's just got to hit he's just got to hit that pass I mean he's got a gifted athlete who he knows very well but I I do think that you're going to see I, I think you're going to see a comfort level too with 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 Lawrence that that he'll that he didn't have last year quite frankly um because you you do have a former quarterback as your head coach um who knows how to handle quarterbacks and I think that's going to really help um you know, it, it, I got the sense last week watching the game back that that ETN is he's going to be he's going to be involved big time in this offense, and I think they'd like to involve him even more. So that's pretty cool if he can if he can evolve into the back that they thought he was when they picked him. 
two different style backs. He's a guy that yep. can go outside and, and play. And then you got James Robinson. If you need four yards, he's probably going to get four yards. That's this what he does. And then veteran receivers. That helps a young quarterback, too. All these guys, at least the starters, are on their second, at least their second contract in the NFL. Not that that really matters, but experience mm-hmm. is a big thing for a young quarterback. Those guys will be where they need to be. I got to tell you, when, when they signed Christian Kirk, I thought this was that was a huge pickup for them. Um, and I think you saw that in game one. I think that he can really develop into, you know, not that Mar- Marvin's not, but Marvin's a little older. So Kirk can be able to mold himself into that go-to wide receiver that I think he really wanted to be consistently in Arizona, but, you know, they just, there was not always enough room in the, in the wide receiver room. So uh, I like him a lot. I I think you're going to see his focal point be even, uh, you know, spotlighted more. Well, the Colts have that salty veteran quarterback now. They've been, uh, they've been kind of playing that game the last few years, obviously Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz wasn't the answer. And is Matt Ryan the answer for them? They've got a lot of other pieces on that team. They feel like they're kind of knocking on the door. Is this the one that gets them over the top? Well, it's funny. Um, I mean, they should have scored 40 points the other day against the Texans. They really should have. I mean, they had a drop in the end zone. You know, they had a fourth down inside the five. They decided to go for it, and it was snuffed out. He looked he looked really good. He, it looked like he was 37 years old. I, it's funny, JP, when he walks into a room, I hadn't seen him in about 10 years in person. And he's a Philly guy, so I, I saw him often back when he was younger. He looks like a movie star. Like, he is... He, he looks like Brady, like he's tall and he's trim and he's in great shape. I thought he looked really good. He threw, threw 352 yards. The rub is they don't want to run Jonathan Taylor 31 times, but they needed to run Jonathan Taylor 31 times. You guys are going to have to stop the run. I mean, that's the biggest thing. The Jaguars are going to have to stop the run and make them a one-dimensional team, and that's really hard to do against the Colts. Also, a preview of this week's visit with Pride of the Jaguars running back Fred Taylor. The full version comes up this weekend on the official Jaguars Podcast Network, talking this week about the red zone issues in Week 1 for the Jaguars and much more. Yeah, you definitely want to close those out, you know, uh, take advantage of those opportunities. You know, they they were there. You know, they came out driving the ball well, got down there. I think it was third and 14 from like the 14 or something like that or 15 or something. You know, those odds of converting are extremely low. You know, they, they do have to finish out, JP. You know, that along with early tackling woes. You know, because the commanders, they weren't doing anything extremely sexy. You know, they were just taking advantage of what the defense was giving them, which was soft coverage and missed tackles early on. And in the second half, they buckled that up. You know, they got better. And I think they ended up uh, going two for two in the red zone, right, in the, in the second half uh, f- to finish uh, two for five. Just a few things. Ha- being better in the red zone, tackling early so the other team can't build up their confidence, and then uh, third down defense, getting the other team off the field, you know, giving your offense the opportunity to, you know, execute and, and capitalize uh, when they are, you know, out there. So uh, some things to clean up, and hopefully today is the day they do that. Fred Taylor with us. Let's flip it to defense. Now, uh, last season, Fred, the Jaguars had nine takeaways all year long. Awful. They That's awful, right? They had three mm-hmm. in week one. That's a good step in the right direction. Impact players making big-time plays. Uh, the most spectacular of those, though, was the Trayvon Walker interception where he comes off and jumps in front of the screen and 
stiff arms a guy, and if right. it wasn't for the quarterback cutting him and tackling him, he's in for the end zone, into the end zone for a touchdown. It's a great, it's a good beginning for him. Uh, what can he do more in this defense? He's going to be tested to to really see what he can do today. You know, a, a week ago, uh, they played a team that wasn't as dynamic as this Colts team is going to be because we know what the Colts want to do. You know, they want to come in and pound it and, and give the ball to Jonathan T- Taylor 31 times again if they can afford that. You know, the, the good thing that I noticed from our overall defense is that they're pretty stout versus the run. You know, they look pretty good versus the run. Uh, what I said earlier about them coming up being better tacklers, not letting the ball carries carrier getting started uh, is what they need to improve at. But across the front, they look pretty stout against the run, and they're going to need that today. And I think just overall, you know, rallying to the ball, being, you know, uh, uh, turnover happy, hustling, and those plays will create turnovers. And, I, and I, I really think that they have a great opportunity to go out there, play some amazing defense, minimize Pittman. You know, he's going to be the number one target for Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor. That's where it all starts. It's a different type of game plan this week. But uh, I think they're capable of getting it done. I will go out on limb, JP, and I know we got more time, but I'm going to guarantee this win. I, I just – I know that uh, in the past I've – you know, I'm not out there playing, obviously, so my my words don't always mean a lot. In, the, in my heart of hearts, you know, looking at how the team looked a week ago, looking at how the Colts played versus the Texans, I do think we can stop the run. It's going to be an all-day dogfight. I think we can start stop the run. Uh, I've never really been overly impressed with Matt Ryan, and I think we can get after him as well with the front. So uh, with that, if we get uh, opportunistic in a turnover uh, category, stop the run, we can win this game because our offense is going to score on their defense. Again, the exclusive extended interview with McCarthy and Fred Taylor runs Saturday on the official Jaguars podcast network. Coming up Sunday, the Jaguars host the division rival Indianapolis Colts in Week 2. We're on the air in Jacksonville at 10 a.m. with the Public's Tailgate Show. At noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. Kickoff time officially, two minutes after 1 o'clock. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com at the podcast tab on the top of the homepage or the official Jaguars podcast network. Enjoy the weekend and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.